Well, hello and welcome to Plenary Podcast. My name is Jude Hennessy and I'm really pleased to be able to bring you some brief conversations at the end of each day of Plenary Council. Today, we're bringing you what we hope will be some great insights into day three of the first General Assembly of the Council. Plenary podcasts are available from the Plenary Council website, but also from some of your favourite podcast apps such as Spotify and numerous dioceses and parishes around Australia are putting links on their webpage too. We have another three interviews lined up for you to give insights into day three, Wednesday the 6th of October. And we're going to be speaking with Bishop Michael Kennedy from the Diocese of Armadale. We're going to be speaking with Brother Peter Carroll, who's the Provincial of the Marish Brothers and President of CRA Catholic Religious Australia and Marco Cesarelli, who's the Director for Faith Enrichment Adult Faith Formation Agency of the Archdiocese of Perth. But I'm really pleased to be able to kick off our conversation at the end of day three with Bishop Michael Kennedy from the Diocese of Armadale. Bishop Michael, thanks so much for joining us on Plenary Podcasts. Pleasure, Jude. Great to be here. Bishop Michael, can I invite you, first of all, just to tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who are from all over Australia and increasingly, it seems, from right around the world. Sure. I've been the Bishop of Armidale for about 10 years. Armidale is in the northern New South Wales area, so country New South Wales. Uh, Before that, I was born and grew up and ministered as a priest in the uh, Wagga Wagga Diocese, which is in the southern area of New South Wales. So I've been a country New South Wales boy all my life. I grew up in a great loving family, supported by a great parish and went to a great Catholic school. And um, so they're three things that that I think uh, are very important in our church and I'm passionate about. Well, thanks for that, Bishop Michael. Now, we're, we're into day three. We're almost halfway through. What is the uh, the first session of Plenary Council? How about you give us, a, a, I suppose, a bit of a sense of what are some of the things that are impressing you at this point in time? Yeah, thanks, Jude. I think I'd have to say I'm really impressed by the lay people that we have involved in the, in the plenary. It was such a good decision we made to seek the request from um, the Holy Father to increase the number of lay people we could have because I'm finding that they speak with such passion, they speak from such life experience, they speak with great love of God, love for the church, love for their neighbour. Uh, I'm finding that the most impressive and most enjoyable part of the day, Mm. particularly the young lay people who maybe with a little bit of coaxing, but once they have a little bit of coaxing, they're very prepared to speak up and and talk about their experience and talk about what they see as the needs in the church uh, Mm. in the world at the moment. Mm. I think the other thing that would impress me too, I suppose, is along that idea of listening. So I've loved listening to the the lay people. Uh, I think also it's been a great experience Experience for me, listening to people who I don't fully agree with, mm. but yet being able to recognise truth in what it is that they're saying. So right. okay. uh, being able to, within my own heart and my own mind, okay, I disagree with that person on that, but I can see truth in what they're saying and I have agreement with them on that. And so I think that's part of how discernment works, part of how the Holy Spirit works with us to, mm. um, after all, we are we are brothers and sisters united in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, Bishop, just building on a couple of things you've mentioned there, I'm assuming that sort of relational interplay that you're referring to there is occurring in the context of small groups. Um, what, what small group are you are you linked in with? Yeah, I'm in a small group that discusses how 
we can, uh, how we might better form leaders for mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's geared particularly more towards uh, towards lay people, towards uh, adults and young people, singles and families and, and, and married couple. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm blessed to be part of a, a wonderful small group. Uh, our, our sharing is, is very fruitful. Mm-hmm. Today, I must admit, being the midway point of the week, I was... Uh, I was feeling a bit of frustration. I was feeling a bit like the people of God, perhaps at about year 20, wandering in the desert. Okay. Um, you, you start with initial enthusiasm. Uh, you realise you've got to get somewhere and you're not there yet. So I was feeling that a little bit. So it was great to speak with the group and, and, and listening to the group to find that some of the others are at the same point as well. Uh, and, and that took away my fear around that. There's no need to fear um, that it is just part of the discernment process, part of the discernment journey. Okay. And look, to, to jump into that now, what, what are a couple of the, the key points or key themes that seem to be emerging from you in, in these discussions and in, and in your listening to the, to the broader group as well? Yeah, I think uh, if I can go to the morning plenary sessions uh, where, where everyone's involved uh, speaking about whatever issues people wish to raise, uh, a couple of interesting themes that, that do keep coming up a little bit but are resounding particularly with me is um, around, around the area of the church's mission and I'm very impressed that there is a great focus. Every person I've heard speak is speaking about the church's mission and mm. how we can do that better. Right. And, and within that, I'm picking up a couple of themes where you could say there might be a dynamic tension, okay. uh, not, a ba- not a bad tension, mm. a, a good dynamic living tension. So... For example, um, between the fact that the church, uh, as disciples of Christ, we're called to be countercultural, but yet at the same time we are in the world, we're a part of the world, it's God's world, it's a graced world, we're not to turn our back on the world. So I'm just finding it very interesting hearing what, what people to say about that. And, of course, for me, it's not a question of either one or the other. Mm. It, it is both the fact that, we are in God's world and it is a graced world and the fact that we are also called at times to be countercultural in order to elevate our world with the gospel of Christ. Mm. And, and I suppose another similar tension, if you like, that I noticed just a couple of people mentioned, but it's got me really thinking, is how Pope Francis is calling the church to go to the margins, go to the peripheries. Uh, but yet a, a couple of people have made the observation Well, yes, that's true. But the church now in Australian society, we are actually finding ourselves more and more all the time on the margins ourselves. So we we are on the peripheries and are being called perhaps to go even further onto the peripheries. Mm. And perhaps now there's also, well, from the peripheries, um, is there a call to us to also somehow reach out towards those who are still in the centre and not on the peripheries. Um, uh, And, and of course, we're sent by Christ to to the whole world, to to Mm. all. So so I'm finding those um, sort of dynamic tensions very very interesting in my own thinking. That's fascinating. And and the fact that so many seem to be identifying that we're called to be countercultural, well, you you can't be countercultural unless you sort of are existing on the peripheries, but you, you are still then, as you as you just rightly highlighted, probably called to to enter into the centre of of the culture. Uh, that's that's really fascinating. Great great exactly. insights. We've got to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Bishop Michael, thanks so much for joining us at the end of what has been, no doubt, a, a busy day and almost hump day where you're getting into the middle of proceedings. There's some fascinating insights that you've shared with us. Thanks so much for joining us on Plenary Podcasts and, and please be assured of our prayers right through the remainder of the week. Thank you very much, Jude, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And thank you so much for helping to bring the Plenary Council to those who are not able to participate directly. Good on you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. That we may listen humbly. That we share with passion, without fear. Really pleased now to be able to have a conversation with Brother Peter Carroll. He's the Provincial of the Marist Brothers in Australia and the President of CRA, which is Catholic Religious Australia. Brother Peter, thanks so much for joining us on Plenary Podcast. Jude, it's wonderful to be with you and it's good to uh, see you again after all these years. Brother Peter, I'm going to get you to tell us a little bit about yourself. So much better that you do it yourself than, than I do it. And, and there's lots of people around Australia and indeed right around the world who are listening in who'd like to know a little bit about what makes you tick. Well, I am firstly a Queenslander. I was born in Brisbane. I was raised in Bundaberg and Brisbane in Queensland. I went to school at Amara School. Mm. I was impressed by the brothers, so I joined them. That was over 40 years ago. And okay. uh, I've been in schools uh, teaching and acting as principal since then and in 2012, I was asked to be involved in province leadership, so I have been the vice-provincial and the provincial of the Australian province of the Maris Brothers since 2015. So you would have really enjoyed State of Origin this year, brother, I'm assuming? <laughs> I certainly did. That's it was a, fantastic as a New South Wales person to, to finally have that's a bit something of a to rough, cheer about. It's a bit of a rough question, Jude. Come on, let's move on. I know, on. I know. Okay. On. Do you want on. to stay on topic? Okay, I'll stay on topic. Small groups. It seems like there's some amazing stuff coming out of the small groups, Brother Peter. Do you mind giving us a few insights into uh, what your experience of the small groups mean? Yes, well, my group is um, a wonderful group. I mean, there's, there's 27 of us, and we're, we're trying to respond to the question of how might we better form leaders for mission, adults, children and families, couples and single people. So as you can imagine, it's, uh, it's quite a, a challenge because it's a very diverse area. Absolutely. Uh, but we have, we've had some wonderful contributions from the members of that group, and we're being very, very well led by another Queenslander, by, by Kim Keady. Okay. Obviously, Brother Peter in a small group, and, and they're not that small. There'd be quite a diversity of opinion, I'd imagine. So, so how does the conversation flow? And for you, what have been a couple of the, the big insights or the ways that the, the Spirit is speaking in the midst of that uh, diversity of views? Well, while we are a big group of 27, we're also broken down into smaller groups, oh, okay. uh, you know, for discussion. Mm -hmm. But some of the, uh, some of the, the, the material that's been coming out is, is so rich mm. because, as you can imagine, formation uh, is a huge area. Mm. And we're talking about formation for all sorts of different leadership roles in the church. So, mm. you know, it can be in diocesan offices or it can be in parishes. And some of those parishes can be in cities, but some of them can be in outback areas of Queensland or Western Australia or South Australia who don't have a resident priest. Mm. So there are huge challenges for how we form the faithful and our leaders at this particular time. So, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible issue to be discussing and there's been mm. some rich offerings. I'm getting a sense too, just in the conversations that we've had thus far, that the the notion of formation is formation for a purpose. It's it's formation again to be missional. So, would you mind maybe just fleshing out for us your understanding of of how formation is pointing us back to a, a missional focus? 
Thanks, Jude. Yes, well, mission is, you know, the mission of the church is the mission of Jesus, which is the mission of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's about developing, uh, creating, helping to plant the seeds for the the reign of God in the world. Mm. So it's a huge undertaking. Mm. But the the attitude that uh, I'm hearing from everyone is that that is first and foremost Christ-centered. So Mm. we've got to go back to the Gospels. We've got to go back to the person of Jesus. We've got to look at what his priorities were and what ours should be. Mm. So that's the starting point for renewal for us in the church in Australia at the moment. Mm. We go back to Jesus. Jesus is the way and Jesus has the answers. Mm. Uh, so that's what we're hearing, first of all. So what's emerging for you as, as someone who's head of the Maris Brothers um, as, as how the Spirit is starting to shape the conversation more broadly? Um, and, and what do you think the Maris Brothers are bringing to Plenary Council because of that, um, that charism that they have? Well, I suppose, uh, Jude, we've been warned that we're not representing any group. That's true. We're, we're coming as the faithful. And we're coming with, uh, you know, ears that are open and and listening to what the needs are. But I hope that what I bring as a Marist is a commitment to what I believe is a Marian church, Mm -hmm. a a church that is responsive to the word of God, where there is a, a willing yes, where there is an inclusivity and a willingness to go out to people in the hill country. Mm. Uh, and elsewhere. So I think we need a Marian church, a, a church that is simple, that is humble, that is at the service of Jesus and his mission. I think mm. that is crucial. But the other things I've heard, and, and I think this is a really important message for me, is the importance of family. Okay. You know, family in parish and a sense of parish as family. Okay. Uh, you know, not parish as a a service centre where you just go for mass mm. or you go to confession, but as a living, breathing unit of Christ's body, mm. a real community. And some people have spoken passionately in our small group about that and about the need for those people to be formed in faith and formed very well. Yep. What I would comment on is that our group is, you know, is, is actually reflective of the experience. And the genius of this is that we are entering into dialogue and encounter with people who we would not normally mix with in the church. I'm mm-hmm. with Opus Dei. Mm-hmm. I'm with Neocatechumenate Way. Mm-hmm. I'm with archbishops and bishops and people from country areas. You know, the d- church is diverse, but we've, we're working towards unity across the diversity. And, and what the Pope says about synodality and countering dialogue are crucial. Brother Peter, there's some fascinating insights. Thank you so much for, for joining us as part of this conversation, as part of what's been a, a very long day for you. We're really appreciative to you and, and everyone who speaks to us. And please be assured of our ongoing prayers throughout the remainder of the week. Thanks for, thanks for speaking to us to, tonight. Thanks very much, Jude. It's been a pleasure. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come, that we may listen humbly, that we share with passion, without fear. Really pleased now to be joined by Marco Ceccarelli. He's the director of the Centre for Faith Enrichment, which is the adult faith formation agency of the Archdiocese of Perth. Marco, thanks so much for joining us on Plenary Podcast. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. Mark, I'll get you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and and how you've ended up where you are today and and doing what you're doing. Well, I am 36 years old. I am from Perth, WA, but I actually came to Australia in 1993 from Rome, Italy with my family. And I came as a family mission sent here by Pope John Paul II. 
I'm involved in adult faith education. I'm the director of the Centre for Faith Enrichment, which is the adult faith formation agency of the Archdiocese of Perth, formerly known as Maranatha Institute. And we run short daytime evening and online courses on theology, scripture, spirituality, anything that really is connected with the richness of the Catholic tradition. I'm also a lecturer in church history and theology at the University of Notre Dame in Mm. Fremantle. And you're a family man as well, apart from all of that academic uh, side to your life. I understand you're in the deep end of the pool with a young family too, yeah? Correct. I've been married for uh, almost nine years and Mm -hmm. uh, we have three boys. And Marco, in our conversations with, uh, with a few people at the end of each day, we're hearing some fascinating insights into what is starting to emerge as some key themes and some key points. What's really standing out for you as some key things that have interested you or, or that are exciting you about the conversations at Plenary Council? I would say the, the first thing is family. And it is important uh, here, I guess, to stress that uh, our discussions have, have revolved around Christian family mm-hmm. and the Christian community, which we've also spoken about the Christian family as a small community, sure. as possible lifelong vessels within which one travels to uh, receive faith and where one is supported and formed to then continue their journey of leadership and discipleship, which has been also um, a central theme uh, in my group. Okay. Discuss the fact that in the Christian family, first of all, one learns from their parents as the first formators. Mm. Uh, and then in a community of faith, one is first initiated in prayer, shares their experience of how the word of God may be spoken, has spoken to them, and then learns to love their neighbor, to love the other, mm. different as that neighbor may be. So the point we're making is that formation cannot just come from an educational or academic exercise, mm. despite the fact that I <laughs> am very fond of academic and educational exercises, being yeah. the director of an adult faith learning center. Yeah. But it is something that has to be lived and tested, and the family and the Christian community are the two places where we discussed this best happens. Mm, Fantastic. Look, I know just leading into this conversation, you also uh, expressed to me off air that the other thing that is really exciting you is that the key discussions about the importance of good leadership in the church. Maybe you can break that open for us a little bit too. Sure. Well, one of the things that emerged from our conversations on leadership is that in order to form leaders or missionary disciples, we prefer to use the expression missionary disciples. Yes, yes. We first need to form Christians who have faith. Mm. So before you have a leader, you need to have a Christian. The leaders uh, will then come from well-formed Christians. Mm. So very briefly, the answer is faith. How do we give faith? This was a more complicated question. Lisa. Not complicated uh, mm-hmm. in, in that sense of the word, more complex question. It's a question that is very dynamic. It's a multifaceted question, mm. an extremely important one. Once again, we spoke about the Christian family uh, and the Christian community, but we also spoke about the importance of ministry and mission. And Marco, no doubt in the work that you do, but... I suppose, too, just in the insights that you've given us already, you'd have some things to say about distinguishing between what is the basic missional enterprise, the proclamation of the kerygma, bringing people to encounter, and how that's different to ministry, how that's different to catechesis. So I understand that that already is emerging as a key theme, and that must be of some interest to you as someone who's obviously involved in adult faith formation. 
What would you have to say about the difference between mission and ministry? Mission uh, is grounded in the encounter with a person of Jesus. This is something that uh, I'd like to stress. It requires us to be drawn into the story of Jesus, to experience him and be formed before being sent out. And this is where this concept of the the kerygma comes in. Mission is about the kerygma, Mm. uh, which is in essence the basic proclamation of the gospel. It is also an invitation to relationship with Jesus. It is something that is experiential. Unfortunately, I find we don't often use this word kerygma very much or the concept of being kerygmatic very much to the point that sometimes people are not sure uh, what that means. And perhaps Mm. this is something that hopefully maybe this plenary council revives because the kerygma is extremely important. Uh, The kerygma is is an announcement. Mm. It's uh, it's an announcement of the love of God. Uh, It's Mm. an announcement that that many people haven't received. It actually comes from the the Greek... um, Kerox, which means herald. Okay. Um, in the Middle Ages, a herald was the one who announced a very, very important news. Mm. It may have been the victory or defeat of the defending army against an enemy, mm-hmm. and it usually drew people's attention to the announcement. Usually the herald blew a trumpet and people would listen. The kerygma is this announcement. It's a proclamation of what? Of the, in Greek, the evangelion. The, the gospel, the good announcement, the good news mm. to, that Jesus Christ is, has risen from death. Mm. And so this is the importance, perhaps, of mission coming first, of mission uh, being emphasized, this mm. announcement, this charismatic mm. announcement. Ministry is just as important. I do not want to diminish uh, ministry here. Ministry can also inform mission. Mm. So it's not even too much about one coming before the other. Both are equally important, but ministry is the doing part, the action through which we serve others, accompany them, invite them into the encounter with Jesus mm. or deepen their relationship with Jesus. However, if we are to form leaders for mission, then there needs to be mission. There needs to be an announcement. There needs to be an encounter with Christ first, Mm, mm. from which then flows ministry. And in fact, the the mission is what enhances Mm. um, the ministry. And at times also, (laughs) ministry enhances mission as well. Mm. Hey, I'm really encouraged to hear you talk about this. I I saw so many things in the submissions that were uh, produced for you guys to be uh, praying about, to be discerning leading into this. And, and it seems to me in the, the quite animated and excited way you've just spoken about it, you're really hitting in on that point that I think Pope Francis has stressed that too often we jump into catechesis before we've really done the evangelization, before we've let the the power and the truth of the kerygma, yes, it's the basics, but it's it's the basics that no one graduates from, that, that if we haven't embraced that initial proclamation, the notion of doing catechesis is uh, perhaps not fruitless, but, but but a lot less fruitless than otherwise should be. It, it won't have that, that powerful grounding, the good soil. Great insight. Is there anything finally you'd like to uh, to finish up with as we come to the end of this uh, third of our plenary podcast, the end of day three of the First General Assembly? Quite briefly, I might just pick up on that last point which yeah. you made. For someone to be open to catechesis, they need to be brought to catechesis. In other words, mm. what I'm saying is you need to people need to be accompanied. Yep. That that comes first. That's the first thing. The other thing that I wanted to say is that I was struck by one of the interventions today that spoke about the success stories in Australia since the Second Vatican Council, namely mm. the ecclesial realities that have been successfully forming disciples and missionaries. Mm. I say these as someone, as the son of a family mission sent 
by the church uh, to Australia who has benefited from movements uh, such as uh, Communion and Liberation, Neocatechumenal Way, mm. Focolare, yeah. where I was able to rediscover my baptism mm. uh, and that I am called to be a leader in the church, not because of my skills, my abilities, my eloquence or anything like that, but by virtue of my baptism. Mm. That's why I'm called mm. to be to be a, a leader and an example for others because mm. I have been baptized as priest, prophet and king. Marco, that is probably a wonderful place to finish. And just hearing the way that you've uh, you finished there reminds me of something that I've read a few times in, in various books and, and various calls to, to embrace our baptismal calling. It's the notion that God equips the called. He doesn't necessarily call the equipped. And, and you've made great reference to that in, in highlighting that this, this is part of our baptismal calling. And, and surely, if nothing else, that, uh, that a return to a focus on this missional, this missional calling that each one of us has, is that's the thing that, that surely more than anything else that the Spirit seems to be calling us to. So thank you for those insights. Um, thank you for being part of Plenary 2020. It's just really heartening and wonderful to know that uh, the people of your passion and intelligence and enthusiasm are, are part of the conversation. And please be assured of our ongoing prayers for the remainder of this week and indeed for the, for the second session of Plenary Council too. Thanks for joining us on Plenary Podcast. Thank you very much for having me and for your prayers. Well, I hope you've really enjoyed our Plenary Podcast conversations for the end of day three of this first General Assembly. Thanks so much again to Bishop Michael Kennedy from Armidale, to Brother Peter Carroll, Provincial of the Maris, and to Marco Ceccarelli from the Archdiocese of Perth. So grateful they could join us at the end of day three. Tomorrow, we're looking forward to bringing you three more interviews. We're going to be speaking to Father Philip Marshall, Father Quinn Vu, and Sojin Sebastian. Now, you can access this and so many other things to stay up to date with what's happening at the Council by going to the Plenary website, which is plenarycouncil.catholic.org.au. Put that into any search engine and it will jump out at you, I can assure you. Thanks so much to Max Norden from the Journey Podcast. That's jcr.org.au, who is doing a mighty job producing this Plenary Podcast together for the ACBC in double quick time at the end of each day. My name's Jude Hennessy, and I hope you can join us for a wrap for day four tomorrow. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Plenary Podcast is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norton from the Office of the Bishop in the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. That we may listen humbly. That we share with passion, without fear.